Start with the set-aside prayer. God, please set aside everything I think I know about you, God. The steps, recovery, the big book, what's best for me, what's best for others. Especially help me let go of all my old ideas so I can live on your spiritual truth. Heavenly Father, to you goes all the glory. Help us to carry your message tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we're on page 39 and more about alcoholism. We are reading this chapter that's between there's a solution and we agnostics. And they tell us what the solution is. And then in this chapter, they're going to tell us why we need a solution. And it can't be us. In the next chapter, they're going to tell us about God and our relationship and knowledge of God is the thing that's going to be the deal. Because remember, we only have one problem. All alcoholics only have one problem, conscious separation from God. And the solution to that is conscious contact, contact, awareness, uh, experiencing God. And we're going to look at the line on um, page 39. And they're talking about the jaywalker, an example, and how uh, we can't stop drinking on our own. And it says, but the actual potential alcoholic, with hardly an exception, that means all alcoholics, and it says will be absolutely, absolutely unable to stop drinking on the basis of self-knowledge. Now, when does that absolutely unable to stop drinking on the basis of self-knowledge? Is that like in the first week or the month? It's forever. It's before you come and after you come. Knowledge of self is what causes our problems, right? And uh, we don't want to know more about ourselves because our old ideas killed us. So we need to know knowledge of what? God. And we agnostics is written to those without knowledge of God. Doesn't mean you believe it or you didn't pray or you don't go to church. It means you've never allowed God to work in your life. You never allowed him to run the show because you'll run it but ask God's help. And so self-knowledge won't work ever. Because I can't, I have no power within me to keep from taking the first drink. You see what they're trying to get at? And this is a point we wish to emphasize and reemphasize, to smash home upon our alcoholic readers as, that, as it has been revealed to us out of bitter experience. Now, there are things called treatment centers. Have you ever heard of that? Treatment center. But really, the only treatment for this is God and our relationship with God. Now, the, how you get that relationship is going to be in the next uh, 48 pages. So you go to page 88 and you finish step 11. And then you have knowledge of God. And then you can uh, practice, practice the principles in all your affairs, right? And you carry this message to other alcoholics because you've had a spiritual experience. And that's what they wish to smash home. There's no way out. There's no other door. It's either God or you go on and die. And we're going to read that on page 44, uh, the beginning of We Agnostics. So now they're going to give us the next example of the queer mental twist that occurs in all alcoholics and tells us it's okay to drink even though we've sworn off drinking. Has that ever happened to anybody? 
And it happens to all real alcoholics. And the only reason I'm not drinking anymore is because God's in, uh, in my life. And I seek him and I ask him to take care of me and I ask him to give me the power of choice because I don't have it. So you, the key to success in AA is humility. Once you start thinking that you've done something good and you're in charge and you, you've, you could take credit for your recovery, then you're in trouble. Because the only thing we're supposed to do is be rid of the things that are blocking me from the power. And God helps me do that. And we do that through the actions. Hunter read tonight, the spiritual life is not a theory. We have to live it. So AA is not about talking, it's about doing. It's about what are you doing? What actions are you taking? And so let's see what Fred does. Fred is a partner in a well-known accounting firm. His income is good, he has a fine home, is happily married, father promising children of college age. He has an attractive personality that he makes friends with everyone. So this guy is, is, is well, uh, well employed, financially secure, great marriage, has promising children, and is an attractive personality. If ever there was a successful businessman, it is Fred. Now here's a key line. To all, out, to all appearances, he is a stable, well-balanced individual. Now the problem with that is our outward appearances can be good, but we don't have a, a, uh, a live feed showing us what's going on in his brain, right? If, if our brains transmitted on CNN, we would be in trouble, right? We think all sorts of crazy things. So he looks okay, everything's great with Fred, but he's thinking, he's an alcoholic. He's an alcoholic because inside, in his mind, he's filled, he's irritable, restless, and discontented. So he has all this stuff, that's why they use this example. Everything's perfect, right? But yet Fred's not happy, why? Because he's living a life separated from God. And we learn that when we do that, we can never have peace. We first saw Fred about a year ago in a hospital where he had gone to recover from a bad case of jitters. It was his first experience of this kind and he was much ashamed of it. He was very ashamed. But far from admitting he was an alcoholic, he told himself he came to the hospital to rest his nerves. Now that's a key line. What's the key thing? He told himself. Now, who told Fred that? He did. So he's telling himself, oh, it was just jitters, just resting his nerves. So he's constitutionally incapable of seeing the truth at this point. He's in the hospital because he drank too much. But he's telling himself, now, I just had, I'm just nervous. The doctor intimated strongly, that means he probably yelled at him, that he might be worse than he realized. Now, a lot of people thought we were worse than we realized. They could see it, but we couldn't realize it. Until we realized it, we're not gonna do anything about it, right? And if we tell ourselves things that aren't true and we believe them, then we act on them. And so, Natalia, we're on page 39. 
So the doctor intimated strongly that he might be worse than he realized. So for a few days he was depressed about his condition. Why do you think? Because he couldn't get his way. He, he, he wanted to, he didn't want to stop drinking, I don't believe at this point. Or he was, he was upset because uh, he was worse than he realized that he may have to quit drinking. So he made up his mind to quit drinking together. Is that a good thing? That's good, right? The problem is he made up his mind with what? His mind. Where does the disease center? In our mind. And so my mind will never be able to fix itself. That's why willpower won't work, because it's self-will. Now God's willpower will work. And self-will won't work because we'll tell ourselves right before we drink it's okay. And remember the alcoholics live, can't differentiate the truth from the false. And that's what the doctor said in doctor's opinion. It never occurred to him, never occurred to him that perhaps he could not do so because he, you know, I'm Fred, look at me. I'm very successful, everything's good. So, and that's what we all have to go through. We think we can do it. So in spite of his character and standing, Fred would not believe himself an alcoholic much less accept the spiritual remedy for his problem. So he couldn't take step one. If you don't take step one, you're not going to take step two. I have to remind new people sometimes that the steps are in order and they're numbered. And they're numbered for a reason. It sounds silly, but you can't take step two till you take step one. And if you don't take step one, you can do 80 million four steps. But Eventually, if you haven't admitted to your innermost self you're an alcoholic and that you're powerless to manage your own lives, nothing will work. Most people drink again, I believe, they, they're not in their first step. They don't realize their powerlessness. They're not seeking God. They're not taking the action. How do you know if someone's taking their first step? They want to they do the work. Now, if they start balking, they haven't taken the first step. If they get upset at you when you ask them to do something, then they're, they're not, they haven't taken the first step. Because the first step makes you, gives you the desperation of a drowning man. And you want to do anything you can to fix your condition, anything. You'll take any directions. It says in the book, if you want to get over this, what do I need to do? You're supposed to ask somebody that. He, so he wouldn't believe himself an alcoholic and much less accept the spiritual remedy for his problem. Now, is there any other remedy for his problem? No. It says in the next chapter, alcoholism is an illness that only a spiritual experience can conquer. Human power won't work. We told him what we knew about alcoholism, so they told them about themselves and their alcoholism. He was interested and conceded that he had some of the symptoms. But he was a long way from admitting that he could do nothing about himself. See, he probably knew he drank too much. He probably couldn't see that his life was unmanageable. And, but he, he still thought he could, he could do the solution. That's why that, that time, that moment of grace, when you admit complete defeat, is a gift. When you can see the truth about your alcoholism and you can't deny it anymore, and you say, I can't go on like this. That was a gift. Because that happened to me at 2.30 in the afternoon. Now at 9 in the morning, I wasn't thinking that. 
And then all of a sudden, I just said, I can't do it anymore. Things are caving in on me. And then I asked God for help, and I'm here today. That was a long time ago. And uh, God helped me. And he helped me with people. And so that's why we have to reach out and help other people. God works through people. He works through us. So he was positive that this humiliating experience, plus the knowledge he acquired, would keep him sober the rest of his life. Self-knowledge would fix it. So his knowledge was that he needed to quit drinking, right? And that he couldn't drink, and that he, he had a humiliating experience. And, and uh, self-knowledge, I wrote, is understanding oneself or one's own motives or character. Now, that would seem to be good, but we can't see the truth about ourselves. Anybody else have that problem? Anybody believe your resentments are true? Your fears are true? Do your four-step and write down these people that you resent, and then you see the truth of what it was really about. And it was about me. And it was about the way I treated them and reacted to them. So self-knowledge is good, but it doesn't help with alcoholism. Now, the self-knowledge that will work is the knowledge that I can't fix this, that I can see the truth about my situation. That's the knowledge we need. We heard no more of Fred for a while. One day we were told that he was back in the hospital. This time he was quite shaky. He soon indicated he was anxious to see us. One thing I'd say that, the other thing is, there, a lot of people do a lot of worksheets and notebooks and these exercises and they write things out, but um, to uh, fully concede that you're in yourself, that you're alcoholic, doesn't really require writing out a, an assignment. To fully concede that you can't take the first drink doesn't require an exercise. To see that you can't quit drinking on your own, you can't get that from, from doing uh, a project. You've lived it. You've lived your first step. Now, sometimes it helps for people to write out uh, their relationships and the things to see that their life was unmanageable. But I think it really has to come from within. People may not agree, that's fine. I may be wrong, but uh, uh, it's, it's something that's, that, you have, that happens to you, where you see it. Um, the best thing I've heard on that is Father Leo B. On uh, XA Speakers, he talks about that moment when he could see the truth. And it was very, very well done. It says, we heard no more of Fred for a while. One day we were told he was back in the hospital. This time he's shaky. He soon indicated he was anxious to see us. Now he's gonna tell his story. We heard Jim's story, remember? And Jim thought it was great to go to the bar to sell a car on a Tuesday morning after he argued with the boss and he's having milk and then he said, oh yeah, I'll just put a little whiskey in the milk and I'll be fine. And he vaguely sensed he was a little uneasy, vaguely said she was not too smart, right? So let's see what uh, Fred's story is. Now, we don't know what happened to Jim, and the jaywalker kept getting hit and ended up in the hospital. But let's see about Fred's story, because it is instructive. For here was a chap absolutely convinced he had to stop drinking. He knew that. With no excuse for drinking, 
who exhibited splendid judgment and determination and all his other concerns, yet was flat on his back nevertheless. So how'd that happen? So he's going to tell him. Let him tell you about it. He's telling us, and we're really telling the world in this story what's wrong with us. And we have to see it. Because they're going to end this chapter. We're, we're going to start with Fred. It says, once more, the alcoholic at certain times has no effective mental defense against the first drink. Except in a few rare cases, neither he nor any other human being can provide such a defense. His defense must come from a higher power. That's AA. We are powerless. So let's get back to, uh, to Fred and his story. He said, um, I was much impressed with what you fellows said about alcoholism. And I frankly did not believe it would be possible for me to drink again. I rather appreciated your ideas about the subtle insanity which precedes the first drink. But I was confident in who? himself. It could not happen to me after what I had learned. Now remember Roland Hazard was with Dr. Young in Switzerland and spent a year of therapy. And he was so well-tuned, he said, in his mind, and he had so much knowledge of himself that he, he was fine. And he, 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 apparently, he was drunk three days later. That's what Joe and Charlie say. I don't know how long it was. But then he went back to Switzerland. And that's what Dr. Young said. You had the mind of a chronic alcoholic. I'd never seen one of you recover. Now, how could Dr. Young do a year of therapy with someone not know they're a chronic alcoholic? Because he's doing therapy with an alcoholic who won't tell you the truth about themselves. You see? That's why therapy may work or may not work, but we have to be able to see the truth. And alcoholics, we can't see the truth with our own mind. We have to see it with God's view. And we see the truth when we see our wrongs. Remember, we had to fully admit the nature of our wrongs. And we see the truth when we look at resentments, which are wrong uh, judgment. And we look at fears, which is wrong belief. And then we look at how we harm people in actions. You see how it works? So uh, he said that uh, I, I reasoned I was not as far advanced as most of you fellows. See, it wasn't that bad yet that I'd been usually successful in licking my other personal problems, and that I would therefore be successful where you men had failed. Sounds, makes sense, doesn't it? I felt I had every right to be self-confident. It was his right to be self-confident, that it would only be a matter of exercising my willpower and keeping on guard. Now, this is another one. He's going to be on guard against what? taking the first drink with what? His mind. You see why that would never work? It won't ever work. And that's what they're trying to let us, because we're not going to want to seek the solution if we think the solution is in ourselves. In this frame of mind, I went about my business for the first time. All was well. I had no trouble refusing drinks. And I love this. I began to wonder if I had not been making too hard work of a simple matter. And Joe Charlie, Charlie said, this is the beginning of his relapse. Because he saved myself, well, maybe I wasn't that bad. I'm making too much of this. It's a simple matter. You see how we do it? Anybody ever do that? I did it. I think everybody else in this room did. Oh, I wasn't that bad. You know. 
A lot of people are sober a few months. I know this because uh, they tell me. And they, they realize that maybe they overreacted. You know, and they can quit any time because I've been sober for three months. So if I get in trouble, I'll just quit again. Anybody ever done that or heard that? I think I did that. But you see, we're, we, we don't see the truth. And a lot of times, people never get back here. I was lucky. I got back here. One day, I went to Washington to present some accounting evidence to a government bureau. People are getting a lot out of this. Isn't this a powerful story? It's so powerful. I'd been out of town before during this particular dry spell. Now, dry spell, I think, is great because that means you're not emotionally sober. You're just, you're just sober. Remember, sober without God is a dangerous place. Somebody said sober means son of a bitch. Everything's real. And you don't have the treatment for what's going on. And when you're just sober, you're irritable, restless, and discontent. You still have the spiritual malady, but you don't have the solution to make it better, which is alcohol. So there was nothing new about that. Physically, I felt fine. Neither did I have any pressing problems or worries. My business came off well. I was pleased and knew my partners would be too. It was the end of a perfect day. Things are going great for Fred. Not a cloud on the horizon. Now, why do they have this here? He's a great guy. He's talented, the wife, the kids, everything. He's very smart. He's self-confident. Look, he's doing great. Why do they put this in here? Because a perfect day won't treat alcoholism. Why was the day perfect? Because things were going his way. But we'll never get better because of the outside world. We'll never be okay if we just fix the outside world because it, it says that we have the delusion that if we could just manage well, things would be okay. But that never worked, did it? And so it's the perfect day. Everything's great. Uh, so what they're saying is, if you're an alcoholic and you think you can fix the world and all your relationships and everything you think and need in life to get to the point where you're, it's perfect, <coughs> it's still not going to treat your alcoholic because it'll never be enough. The human ego is never satisfied. So he says, I went to my hotel and leisurely dressed for dinner. Squiggly writing again. As I crossed the threshold of the dining room, the thought came. Now, who did the thought come from? From him. But he had all this self-knowledge, right? And he was going to watch. And he was never going to drink again. But there he's telling himself that it would be nice to have a couple cocktails with dinner. Now, is that a good idea for an alcoholic? Now, would God tell me that? No. So if I was with God, God would say, bad idea, Michael. And actually, if you're working the steps, you've been around a while, these thoughts don't come into your mind. You don't notice the alcohol that people are drinking. You don't notice, I just flew out in the airplane. I, di I didn't know who was drinking, who was it. It's not part of our lives. So I ordered a cocktail and my meal. Then I ordered another cocktail. After dinner, I decided to take a walk. When I returned to the hotel, it struck me a highball would be fine before going to bed. So I stepped into the bar and had one. This is a great description of alcoholism. 
I remember having several more that night and plenty next morning. I had a shadowy recollection of being in an airplane bound for New York and of finding a friendly taxi cab driver at the landing field instead of my wife. The driver escorted me about for several days. I know little of where I went or what I had said and did, and then it came, a hospital with unbearable mental and physical suffering. Now that won't keep me sober unless that unbearable mental and physical suffering surrenders me. See, the disease has to surrender me, and then I surrender to God. So there are two surrenders in AA. And so he's there. As soon as I regained my ability to think, I went carefully over that evening in Washington. And here's Squiggly right again. Not only had I been off guard, see, we can never be on guard enough. Remember, at certain times, the alcoholic cannot recall the humiliation defeat of a moment ago. We're out defense against the first drink. I had made no fight whatever against the first drink. This time, I had not thought of the consequences at all. I commenced to drink as carelessly as though the cocktails were ginger ale. Now, I, he had been off guard. Now, who do you need to guard you from the first drink? God. God needs to be your guard. He needs to be your protector. He needs to be the central part of your life. Now, if I'm in the show and I'm watching to see if I'm going to drink again, I'm in trouble. He says, I now remember what my alcoholic friends had told me, how they prophesied, it's a prophecy, that if I had an alcoholic mind, the time and place would come, I would drink again. Now, I've told people that, that they're going to die if they're going to die if they don't uh, surrender, and then they don't like me. But I've said that after they've days and weeks of trying to get them to see the first step, and I said, well, you know, you're, you're never going to defeat this. You have no power. You're going to go on and die. But there is a solution here. So you see, they're going to, he's telling us how bad it is, and then they're going to show the solution for Fred. They had said that though I did raise a defense, it would one day give way before some trivial reason for having a drink. Well, just that just that did happen and more, for what I learned of alcoholism did not occur to me at all. I knew from that moment that I had an alcoholic mind, alcoholic mind, no defense, loss of choice, can't see the truth, no power to over alcohol. And that's a bad situation, but there is a remedy for this. You go to this pharmacy called God, and God has the medicine. I saw that willpower and self-knowledge would help me in those strange mental blank spots. I'd never been able to understand people who said the problem had been hopelessly defeated. It's, it's bad when you realize you can't fix this. But you see, he didn't have, they didn't have AA. This book is written so that the person, Fred, who's, if you're Fred and you're reading this, there is a solution. Remember, they had a seemingly hopeless condition of mind and body. I knew then it was a crushing blow. And that's the beginning of his getting better. Two of the members of Alcoholics Anonymous came to see me and they grinned, <laughs> which I didn't like so much. Why do we grin? Because we identify. 
You see, we see it. And we're grinning because we're, we're, we're sharing. We have the same thing. Fred, we've all done this, right? People tell strange stories in AA, right? They drove off the road, they drove the wrong lane, and we're all laughing. You know, we're right? Am I the only one that's ever? Because we're, we, we can see it. We can see the disease. I mean, we're not laughing at them. We're laughing with them because we've all done the same thing which I didn't like much, and then he asked me if I thought myself alcoholic and if I was really licked this time. That's important. Dr. Bob would ask them, are you done? Are you completely defeated? And if he didn't think they were, he went on to the next one. He says there's no point, you're going to tell us in working with others, there's no point in trying to help somebody who's not defeated. Stu and I are always saying, should we call this one, should we call that one? We haven't heard from him in a while. And I used to always call them, but now I don't, because they have my number. And if they're not hopelessly defeated, it's, there's no point in it. Now, if he calls me, I want to be there for him. You, does that make sense? Because my wife had to remind me all the time, they're not your patients, Michael. You're not their doctor. You see, I have the caretaker, so I want to take care of everybody. But they're not my patients. And so, they have to want it. They piled on me heaps of evidence to the effect that an alcoholic mentality such as I had exhibited in Washington was a hopeless condition. They cited cases out of their own experience by the dozen. And you see, this helped him because this snuffed out the last flicker of conviction that I could do the job myself. So he went to Washington full of self-confidence, right? But he thought he had made a little bit too much out of this simple matter. And now he snuffed out the last flicker of conviction that I could do the job myself. And maybe that's what the first step is all about. Have I snuffed out the last flicker of conviction that I can do the job myself? Snuffed out means you turn out the light. You put, put the candle out. Then they, so once that's done, then they outline the spiritual answer and program of action, which a hundred of them had followed successfully, and that's what the book does, right? So there's a spiritual answer, but it's achieved through a program of action. Though I had been only, how much action do you need to do to achieve it? All of it. What do half measures get you? Nothing. Are you willing to go to any length to... Uh, to do the program? Yes, if you're not. Are you willing to let go of all your old ideas? Absolutely. If not, the result's nil. And how do you let go of your old ideas? You do your fourth step. You see your ideas. You see they're all old. They're all wrong. I was wrong about everything. I'm still wrong now, but I like to be wrong, because then I can see the truth. I laugh at myself. I said, gee. I was just with the grandkids, and we were sitting, and they said, uh, Grandpa, remember, you have to change your mind. Because that's what I would tell them all the time. They wouldn't want to do something. I'd say, change your mind. So my daughter was probably giving me the father improvement course about something. And, and I said something, and they said, Grandpa, you need to change your mind. And so I really liked that. It made me laugh. But that's true. I have to change my mind. I have a, I have a principle now that when I don't want to do something, it's probably something I need to do. So then I do it, and then I say, well, that was good. So that's what I've learned. If there's something I really don't want to do, and it's usually for some selfish reason, 
I need to do it. It's be good for me. So he had been a nominal churchman. Their proposals were not intellectually hard to swallow, but the program of action, though entirely sensible, was pretty drastic. But you have a drastic disease, don't you? Why? Well, it seemed to who that it was. Uh, it was him. It meant I would have to throw several lifelong conceptions out of the win uh, window. That's good. Now, it's not easy. Remember, Bill W. says simple but not easy. What do we have to do? We have to destroy our self-centeredness. We have to destroy our self-centeredness. It's not easy to do. That's what, that's what the uh, steps are doing. That was not easy, and this means that he couldn't fix it. But the moment I made up my mind to go through with the process, I had the curious feeling that my alcohol condition was relieved as in fact it proved to be. See, once he admitted he was 100% powerless, he was willing to go to any length, and whatever he needed to do, he started to feel better. See, that's how God works. It's, it's not instantaneous, it's a process. And the more you give up, the more you seek God, the more you admit you need God, the better you feel. Now here's another great line. Quite as important was the discovery that spiritual principles would solve all my problems. Now I wrote here, not get me what I want, but give me serenity to accept or change. Solve all my problems. And how does it do that? Well, if you have fear, you ask God to remove your fear, direct your attention how you be. If you're angry, you say, God, give me love, patience, and tolerance for this person. How can I be helpful? God save me from being angry. Give me a tolerant, kind and tolerant view. See, the problems are in my own mind. They're not talking about getting a new car here. They're talking about the way you see the world. I have since been brought into a way of living infinitely more satisfied. You think that means better? And I hope more useful than the life I lived before. Is that true for anybody here? You could talk about it when we open up if I ever shut up. My old manner of life was by no means a bad one, but I would not exchange its best moments for the worst I have now. Isn't that true? When we look, it says when we look back, the things that happened to us when we put ourselves in God's hands were better than anything we could have imagined. Anybody sober today? Look back at where you were when you were completely defeated and tell me things aren't better. But that implies you're working the steps, you're doing the deal. I would not go back to it for, its, uh, for even if I could. Fred's story, can I finish the chapter? Fred's story speaks for itself. I mean, it's, it's powerful. We hope it strikes home the thousands like him. He had felt only the first nip of the ringer, but the ringer's bad, right? Most alcoholics have to be pretty badly mangled before they really commence to solve their problems. In other words, circumstances can keep getting worse, but the moment when you hit bottom is when you see the truth. It's not, you can be mangled a little bit and then hit bottom, or you can be mangled a lot. Bottom is not circumstances. It's not you've got three DUIs yet. Hitting bottom is when you see the truth and you see you're completely defeated and there's no hope for you without God. And it's such a gift. Many doctors and psychiatrists agree with our conclusions. One of these men, said, um, what you say about the general hopelessness of the average alcoholic's plight is, in my opinion, correct. 
how many people are in AA that are alcoholics? Maybe 1%. How many of the alcoholics make it 10 years, 0.001? This is not a good disease. Had you offered yourselves as patients at this hospital, I would not have taken you if I'd been able to avoid it. People like you are too heartbreaking. Have you worked with people that you care about and they just don't want to do it and it breaks your heart? And you worry about them and you wonder how they're doing. And I pray, I, I pray, I hope they're okay. Though not a religious person, I have profound respect for the spiritual approach in such cases as yours. For most cases, there is virtually no other solution. And I wrote divine help. So it says we're 100% hopeless apart from divine help. Now on page 44, it says to be doomed an alcoholic or live on a spiritual basis. It says we had to face the fact that we must find the spiritual basis or else. You see, they're getting you ready for that. But you have to be defeated and flick out that last flicker of conviction that you can do the job yourself. Once more, and this is the key line, the alcoholic at certain times, and they use that twice, certain times. With certain times, it's not certain. We don't know when it is. And it doesn't say the alcoholic who's been drinking and comes to AA. Does it say that? No. This is me. It's me today. I'm an alcoholic. Anybody else an alcoholic? At certain times, I'll have no effective mental defense against the first drink. That's why I need to stay spiritually fit. I have to stay connected to God. Except in a few rare cases, neither he nor any other human being can provide such a defense. His defense must come from a higher power. They spent 43 pages in doctor's opinion getting us ready to see this, the last flicker of hope that I can do it myself. And so it comes from a relationship with your higher power the state of being connected, conscious contact. I can't tell you how much, uh, how many times I've gone through this, but tonight I really got a lot out of it. And it reminded me that without God, I have no power. So we'll end with that. And sorry I went a little too long. And, um, we'll pick up with We Agnostics, which is my favorite chapter besides the one I just read. And uh, we'll get so much out of it. We agnostics may be one of the most best spiritual uh, uh, chapters written in literature. Thank you all. <laughs>